Welcome to your new favorite band, the podcast brought to you by the L.A. Navy. And now, your hosts, Dallas Dwight and Drizzle Silvera. Well, hello there. I am Dallas Dwight. This is your new favorite band. Across the table from me, as always. Uh, Driz, what's up? What's up, everybody? We have a super special episode for you today. But before we dive into that, just want to say, how's, how's it going? What's up, Driz? It's going well. I mean, um, you know, we're about to have Thanksgiving tomorrow. This yes. Is, when this comes out, it'll have obviously been a little Thanksgiving while past Thanksgiving. But... Uh, yeah, having a bunch of family over and shit. It's going to be a madhouse here, like 20 people or some craziness. Yeah. Got a 30-pound turkey. Maybe Let's I'll stop take... by and make it 21. You can make it 21, dude. Yeah. yeah. If you got nothing better to Lucky do, just 21. crash. I'm going down to see my family in my hometown of Columbia, South Carolina. And then, um, yeah, maybe I'll stop by on the way back. I'll drive right by your house. So, Dude, that would be, uh, that would be a good time. It'd yeah, be a good time. For sure. <coughs> well, anyways, today. Yeah. We have today the powerful, the great and powerful Tracy Guns. Yeah. So we we had talked about this on the Kiss Cruise recap, but we we uh, of course had played with Tracy back in August or September when when Guns came through Charlotte. But uh, on the boat, we we really struck up a rapport and, and brought him on stage, and we played Communication Breakdown by Led Zeppelin, and and um, uh, he's just a really friendly, awesome guy. So yeah. we shared contacts yeah. and, and have stayed in touch, and, and now he's he's come on the show and graced us with his with his presence. His presence and his awesome stories that we're sure to get into and stuff. So, yeah, yeah um, you know, I I think I said it on one of the podcasts since uh, we've been back from the cruise. But as far as like people who stood out to me on the cruise, Tracy um, definitely was probably like the most encouraging towards us. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, because we're the, we're the young guns on that cruise, you know. The new rock and baby, yeah, the nice. young guns, yeah, the young, uh, you know the new young LA guns, maybe. <laughs> there you go. It's all the but same yeah. words. No, he was like so encouraging and, and hanging out, you know, and talking and <clears throat> pulled us aside and gave us advice. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, dude, thank you. Like, yeah, appreciate appreciate it. Like coming yeah, from someone, someone as iconic as and, him and, in and the I industry. I was just about to say, someone's been around the block. You know, yeah. He's and, and we get into it a little bit in this in this discussion about how uh, there's people older and more experienced than you that that just know more they have more wisdom yeah. than you i just realized our background here is not right there we go and um it's it's why it's wise as a young person to listen to them and and sometimes maybe maybe not maybe you have to make your own decisions and make your own mistakes but um a lot of times these people are are if if you know someone's heart is in the right place it's a it's a good thing to listen to them and you know yeah trust a little bit well and tracy uh, the like go check out his music by the way everyone check out any of the uh LA Guns music and, and um the just tons of other projects he's been a part and of tons of like yeah look up pro- into, pro- projects he's been affiliated ones. with yeah. check it out you know yep um but he's such a cool guy like you should want to support it and check out the music um you know any of our our fans you know obviously they have a way bigger fan base but any of our fans who are kind of like I'm not really familiar Definitely go check it out. And yeah, um, for sure, it's great. Stuff. Uh, it's it's great supporting artists who are as personable and friendly and legit as you know Tracy Guns. Tracy Guns. So yes. Yeah. Let's let's, uh, let's dive into it. Let's do it. All right. All right, Tracy Guns, my brother. What is up? I'm up, man. I'm nice. up for this. Hell yeah. This is great. Uh, I, I first wanted to say it was such a uh, a pleasure hanging out with you on the cruise and meeting you and, and bringing you up on stage and just jamming and just having a having a grand old time. So I wanted to say thank you for for uh, coming up and playing uh, what we did communication breakdown together. That was a blast. No, thanks for having me come up and uh, and do that. Yeah, you know, I like to I like the rock and roll. You know what I mean? That's what that cruise was the most rock and roll thing I've been involved with in years. I know. Yeah, I was. I, I keep thinking back to like anywhere you would go on that boat, it would be um, just any anyone you talk to. You could stop any person and just immediately be like, "Rock and roll, dude!" You know, like they were just like so into it. Like like any everyone. It yeah. was like we were all on the same page, even though you didn't know anyone. You know. Yeah, it, it, it was it was pretty incredible because I've done a few of these cruises and. Uh... You know, a lot of people cross a lot of boundaries usually, and I got yeah. to say, the Kiss Cruise, and I was on there two weeks, man. And like you said, it just felt like a huge family of people getting to know each other and 
people were cool and people, you know, weren't idiots. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that was a good time, man. Yeah. I definitely felt the, the power of the kiss army. Now, my question to you is one to 10, what kind of, I mean, what kind of kiss fan are you one to 10? I'm like a six, seven, Okay, you know, okay. Uh, you know, I'm the blasphemous, like to me, creatures of the night is their best record. Okay. Uh, you know, but I grew up in LA and on the West coast, man, you know, if you were into Led Zeppelin, you weren't allowed to like kiss in the seventies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All the clicks. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Whatever. Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin, you know, but I, I gotta say, um, their set that they did in the theater, you know, mm-hmm. the old school set with the makeup on and everything like that. And I felt like a kid. I thought that was like the greatest thing I've ever seen. It was amazing. Yeah. If you can believe it, uh, my first time and and Driz, I think maybe yours too. First time ever seeing Kiss was on the boat. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. So, what did, what did you think? Oh, it was awesome, man. Now I I do understand that we're missing a healthy degree of, of the spectacle, right? There's no, there's no fire. There's no blood. There's no, all the big stuff you expect from kiss. You know, it has to be, you know, stripped back cause we're in a small theater on a boat. But, uh, the intimacy of that, I think more than made up for what I felt like I think, was maybe missing. I think that it was probably preferable in a lot of ways because I, I yeah. felt like they played really well. Yeah. You know, and the set, and the set list they chose was, you know, definitely seventies classic kiss. And that's Deeper kind of cuts, the stuff that, yeah. you know, so like, you know, I, I feel like you guys probably got like for your first time seeing kiss, like you kind of really got the real deal. It, it, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good hearing that from a kiss fan though. I, I'm not. So I would say I'm like maybe a three or four on a kiss and it's not because mm-hmm. I don't like kiss. It's because I just never fully got into that world. Right. I knew right. Uh, lick it up, rock and roll all night, you know, the, the hit Detroit rock city. And then I kind of moved on to the next band, you know, when I was coming up playing guitar and stuff. So, um, oh, absolutely. I, yeah, I, generation. We're kind of like yeah. the generation that's been inundated from amazing rock and roll from the sixties all the way up to when we were kids yeah. in the nineties. It's like, what do you pick right. and choose from? It's like, holy shit. Yeah, we were born uh, 91 for him, 92 for me. So it was like, there was already so much to choose from, you know? Like- <laughs> it's, so, it's so hard, man. And I'll tell you something, man. You know, I probably have 20 artists that I listen to. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? same. I'd yeah. say the same. You know, and it's just, you know, it's kind of really more about the stuff that really grabs you you know, between birth and like, you know, 30 years old, you know, and then after that, it's like, well, you know, whatever, a lot of other stuff I do like, but I don't put those records on or I don't, you know, go to those other artists and put them on. But if I hear them, I'm like, oh yeah, I like this, you know, but as far as, you know, we're all musicians here. So, you know, the music we pretty much listen to is the stuff that influences us the most right yeah yeah a hundred percent and i would even and i don't know about you but for me the stuff that i that really influenced me the most i actually don't actively listen to it that much really? anymore because it's just so much in my head you know it comes on you know not guns and roses was always my band so you know knocking on heaven's door comes on the radio and i just already know every note every pass every little right. drum fill every vocal harmony every so it's kind of like you know it's right, like it's it's, it's in there, you know. I got it. Uh, mine was Van Halen and like Almond Brothers, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, but the difference between Almond Brothers and Guns N' Roses is Almond Brothers, they made tons of records, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And they yeah. they live records and like all the stuff. Guns N' Roses kind of had two records. Yeah, you know? it was uh it was yeah. a a really Yeah, it was like a it was a a fireball that kind of burned really bright and then burned out really fast, you know? <laughs> like Yeah. Uh, and it's unfortunate because those guys, there's so much talent in that band to you know keep creating music, but they just they don't and they didn't. And uh, yeah. so so what do you, you hear the same, you know five or six songs over and over again? Yes, you know yes. <laughs> we'll get yeah. yeah. Everybody every show somebody comes up and asks for Sweet Child of Mine. We're like, wait, we just pick a different one. Like any any other one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> But I know, so obviously you famously were, were kind of a part of the history of Guns N' Roses. So, and we just, just before the Kiss Cruise were, uh, we played the whiskey. So it was our first time in LA. So we played the whiskey and we walked the strip and ate, ate at the rainbow and, you know, checked out the guitar center and all that stuff. And, and I wanted to know from your perspective, what, 
What were things like back then? I mean, I assume it was 85, 86, 83, right? Uh, Didn't she get rocking in 83 or something? Yeah, we, we started really like the first version of Hollywood Rose and L.A. Guns. That was like around 83. Yeah. You know, I started playing Gazaris and the Troubadour and stuff like that. And, you know, that's when Motley Crue was really big in town, you know, Wasp and uh, Rat and Great White and stuff like that. Like those bands are a little bit older than us. Um, so, you know, we were watching that stuff. And then um, L.A. Guns was full throttle in 84. Then we changed the name to Guns N' Roses. And then I bailed. I don't know, man. I don't even remember it anymore. Some, you know, the end of 85, I guess. And mm-hmm. then I restarted. In- uh, but it, it was, you know. It was anything you could imagine, but then you have to add more because the the woman factor was extreme. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like every, every girl that turned 18 made their way to Hollywood, made their way to the Sunset Strip, you know, to be an actress or a model or a porn star or just to hang out with band guys. And so, you know, we us guys, we got pretty spoiled by that. You know, it was just like, like, wow, you know, like these chicks would come and rent an apartment that they couldn't really afford. And like five of us would stay at like one girl's apartment until they got evicted, you know, like stuff like (laughs) really strange. And then, you know, somewhere at the end of 86, you know, 85, 86, you know, we all got signed and then we had our own apartments and we got a little tiny bit of money. And then I literally for real had, women break into my apartment and like wash my dishes and shit. It was, it was bizarre. It was really like, that shit just doesn't happen. anymore. I was about to say, yeah, I think, I think we, we definitely came up in different times, but based on these stories. Yeah, it was, it was wild. You know, that Man, is, that's epic. It's, yeah. it's so crazy how much things have changed. We were just talking, uh, on the boat actually about, um, the last kind of, uh, generation of, of rock stars and how I don't, I don't know that. And maybe it does in some incarnation, but the, the, the old, you know, trope of a rock star doesn't really seem to exist anymore. A lot of the things you would do that would make you a rock star, you just end up getting canceled now, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think in a lot of ways too, cause there are some pretty authentic, you know, rock and roll music makers, you know, like the strut and dirty honey and uh, this guy Tuck out of Atlanta and, you know, there's, there's some bands that are really stay true to the art form. But the problem is, is all the old rock and roll had stories and mystique, right? You know, yep. there, there wasn't the immediate internet, you know, thing. And that enabled you to have a publicist that did their job and made the story in the magazines and, you know, these kinds of things. And so you could become notorious without being notorious, you know? Right. It was exactly. Great. Yeah. The legend. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause that's what rock and roll is. It's stories. You know I mean? Those are the, that's what keeps people interested in musicians is these stories and especially, you know, rock and roll bands, but no, that's gone. You know what I mean? So, so now you just got to be really great, especially yeah. if you're playing rock and roll, you know, it's gotta be that good. Yeah. That's a really interesting take. I had not thought of. I mean, I mean, we know that social media, has has really taken the mystique away, as you say. Now, if you choose to be mysterious, the algorithm just says, "Okay, fuck you, you're out." Right? <laughs> like, so it's like you yeah. don't really have that option. You have to be kind of, you know, in it, and you have to play the game now if you want any sort of modicum of success as a new artist these days. We know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's, oh, just... yeah. it's, it's brutal because you know that's that's where when hip hop came in, which was right when we were recording our first album, we were also listening to NWA's first record and stuff like that. And music on that street level was really lifestyle. You know what I mean? So people could, the audience could relate to the lyrics in a way where it's like, yeah, man, this is how I'm living. You know, especially, you know, Axel was, was the master back then. Um, but then you also had Easy E, and you had like hip hop starting. And it was all very similar lyrically, you know, it was like kind of, kind of weird, you know, misogynistic, drug fueled, uh, mystery, right? you know, but people could relate to it, you know, and, and, you know, but there was a huge air of mystery around it. And that's like, we were talking about, that's the hardest thing. Like, you know, you'd hear stories of Led Zeppelin, 
you know, an Aerosmith. And, you know, you didn't know if they were true or not, but you just believe them anyways, because why not? You know, like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just part of the legend. Exactly. And it's like, you know, who who knew who knew if they actually threw the TV out the you know window into the pool or whatever, yeah. you know, as the old saying goes. But now it now I just think, you know, you throw a TV and out, out the window into the pool. Oh, it just Keith up. Moon definitely threw. Yeah. Some well, TVs. yeah. Keith <laughs> Moon for sure. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> or uh what ginger baker was another one that was kind of <laughs> yeah kind of a little out there but yeah. um all those guys the, the guys with that personality type you know like john bonham would drive a brand new car straight into the hyatt house up here you know buy it drive it right into the fucking lobby and you know try to get down the hallways and shit and people would laugh you know and and you know it's just that things got taken care of now by the time you know we were i think on our second tour could have been our, it was our first tour. We were in Minneapolis and it was snowing and we were at a holiday inn, but the holiday inn was in a super old, cool building, you know, like a historic building. And my guitar tech found these fluorescent bulbs in the janitor's locket uh, locker. uh, And he threw one down from the window and you could see the fluorescent bulb break in the snow. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just mixed in, you know I mean? It was like, like, what are you doing? Uh Oh yeah. So we left, we all left except him. And when we got back to the hotel, he just kept doing it like while we were gone and all our shit was outside and we got banned from holiday Inn. You know, wow. like, you know, like no, no warning or anything. You know, I, I, I have a feeling in the late seventies or even any time during the seventies, you could have totally got away with that and just like said, Hey, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll pay for it. But even yeah. by you know 1988, shit was getting uptight. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think that's slowed at all. I think it's just continued. No. Yeah. <laughs> so we were, we were in Austin, Texas, like the first date of our, of our second tour when our second album came out, staying some really nice hotel, um, in downtown Austin. And we had mountain bikes and, you know, we were doing whatever we were doing but we had naked girls and mountain bikes and we were just riding up and down the hallway, like starting at like three 30 in the morning after a show with girl, naked girls on the mountain bikes. And nobody cared about it till the next day when all the wallpaper was ripped off <laughs> from the handlebars, you know, but in those times it was still like, you know, you could go from one guy's room to the other there, you know, the little mini orgies going on. It was awesome. dude. It was fucking <laughs> Good time. So, yeah, I mean, we, we were, we, you know, we kind of lived the tail end of it because I remember reading somebody's interview in like 92, uh, like a newer rock band. And I, I don't need to say who it is, but the guy's like, I swear this girl came on the bus and she wanted to have sex with me. I swear she did, but we didn't. I was like, oh, man, shit's getting bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but that was after AIDS was a thing. And, you know, I get, you know, it got scary for people. And, and, but like you said, you know, you fast forward to now and, and it's just like, you can't do anything. You can't say anything. And it's like, there's a certain humor in the majesty of rock and roll, whether it's misogynistic, drug fueled or whatever it is, it still makes for a funny story. And, you know, and if it's not happening to you as a listener or as a fan, then you should just enjoy the story and laugh it off, you know, but that right. doesn't exist. It and, really does. and Steel Panther, I think is the best example of a band that took that humor and awesome. just, and just, you know, made it, they, they, they're, they're a spoof on so many levels, but they're the fact that they just spoofed the whole scene of the eighties is my favorite part. Yeah. Where it's you have, so- you know, it's just like, everything's right on the nose. There's no, like all the like cheesy, you know, uh, double entendres and stuff are taken out and it's just like direct, like, so direct, you know, and that's the thing. Um, Ralph, he, he was in L.A. Guns for a year. He's a really good friend of mine. And the thing is why it's so effective and that directness works is because all that, all those lyrics are from experience. He lived that shit, you know, yeah, because he's, yeah. he's older than me. And he was rocking out here in L.A. before I was, you know what I mean? He's been around. He's done it. He's seen it. He's lived it. And, you know, when I listen to Steel Panther, I go see him play. It's just, 
it's pure comedy, but it's a hundred percent based on reality. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's just, that's the magic, you know? And you know, the city I live in Denmark, the club that they play is literally one block away from my apartment in, in Denmark. And, you know, they go in there and it's packed, sold out like to the gills, you know, and, and the, and the, town i live in it's like i don't i don't even know how many people it is like twenty thousand people or something like ramstein played this summer and we have we have a uh like a soccer stadium but it's only twenty thousand seats you know it's out outdoors and my friend didn't go and i was on tour in the states i'm like so you know what was the city like when ramstein was playing he's just like there was not one person anywhere in the city because there's an event and everybody goes yeah. and it's magical, you know, but yeah, steel Panther plays there. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. We played with steel Panther. <clears throat> uh, we but, did. Yeah. Three dates with them. With back three, in yeah. It was like last year. 21. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was hilarious. It, their ability to just like off the cuff, like come up with funny shit was amazing. So we were amazing. at it. We were at a venue that's now shut down because of shootings and shit. <laughs> that I mean, it's crazy. Uh, I don't know if you've ever played the Blind Tiger, but it's like a, a in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Yeah, it's kind of like a famous like rock and roll venue in that area. We must have. Yeah, but uh, anyways, yeah. So we had just gotten done playing, and uh, we were hanging out, watching the show, selling merch and shit. And uh, I hear them in between songs. Uh, Ralph. Um, Michael Starr was like, hey, dude, he was talking to our singer. He was like, dude, your girlfriend's like hot. And he goes, he goes to our singer. He's like, dude, I would suck your dick to taste her pussy. (laughs) (laughs) And I was dying, dude. But just off the cuff, like. Really? Yeah. Yeah. All those guys are that clever. Yeah. You know, it's like, to me, I feel like that comes to life when those guys are together, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? All of a sudden, Hey, we're going on tour, you know, and it just never ends. Like yeah. they just bounce they're, off they're each other in that so, character. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, they're so unique, you know, there's nobody else like them, no. you know, it's, it's amazing. And it's, they're really healthy for rock and roll. Oh yeah, for sure. It's, it's great to have a band like that. Uh, we, we were, we were, you mentioned earlier about kiss sounding awesome on the boats and, uh, we were texting a little bit back and forth about um, bands using backing tracks live. And I, I know there's been – it's come up a lot lately. Uh, Sebast- Sebastian Bach and Ronnie Radke had a little Twitter feud going on about uh, falling in reverse, canceling dates because they lost their laptops. Yeah. Um, and then JoLynn Turner recently came out and said – and I brought up Kiss not because – I'm saying they use backing tracks or not, but because Joe and Turner had said that they allegedly use backing tracks and he was kind of bashing them for that. But then conversely, yeah. you have people like Gene Simmons and Eddie trunk who, who say adamantly that the tracks should not be used. And I, I wanted to just, just open it up to a round table discussion. I mean, I, I personally think it's a gray area. I think there's, there's yeah. pros and cons to both sides. I think so if I you lose your tracks and you can't play the show, then that's, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's definitely <laughs> That's one extreme, right? Yeah, That's yeah. But I think this, this this is what I think. I think that if you're a rock and roll band and you recorded your album as your band, then your band should go play the songs. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so in that case, where there's certain bigger glam band that that really uses backing tracks, you know, guitar, bass, you know, even drums and vocals, it's like it's like that's shitty. You know what I mean? Like, like that's just lazy. You know, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's horrible because, because I don't feel that it's necessary. Um, but then there's some some things for rock band. Say, let's say L.A. Guns had, you know, a really complicated keyboard part or something. We don't have a keyboard player in the band. You know, I wouldn't feel weird using that keyboard track. You know, I'd be like, hey, I would even say, hey, in this song we're using a keyboard track because none of us can play it and, you know, kind of make light of it for the benefit of the music. And then there's bands that have grown up and they're 22 years old right now. And they grew up writing music in garage band using loops and, and, and all kinds of digital technology. Well, that's their craft. You yeah, know what for I mean? sure. In that case that like the falling in reverse guys, you know, 
that's I'm sure that's how he learned to write and put together songs and, and music. So in that case, yeah, but at the same time, you shouldn't be dependent on like one piece of digital technology. Yeah. Because they are a rock band. You yeah. Know, they're not like an EDM band. You know, they're a right. rock band. Dude, you know, but the conversation back in the 60s was probably like, why are you using electric guitars and amps? What if your amp crashes? You should be playing acoustic guitars. <laughs> right. oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, you know, why are you playing a drum kit? You should be making the drums yourself. You know, it's like you can go back as far as you want, you know. That's a really good point, you know, is that, you know, time moves forward. and But I think really what Gene and, and, and Eddie Trunk and guys like me and Sebastian are saying is like, like, look, man, if you recorded it as a band, you should play it as a band. Yeah. You know, band has chemistry. And, and you know, a lot of these bands are talking about it's like they're playing to a record or half a record or, right. or whatever. And it's it's acceptable in in some areas, but not to people that love live rock music. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. That's not live. And, you know, the Joe Lynn Turner thing really comes out of left field for me because, you know, Kiss, they take pride in, yeah. in the chemistry. I, the think, I think it came out of left field for a lot of people. And it definitely yeah. had kind of a nasty edge to it that's felt a little like, yeah, what? what? Like, <laughs> yeah, like talking about. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, the three of us right here, we saw them play on the pool stage with no makeup on mm-hmm. through AMP. And, and it was amazing, you know, so like, like the idea that they use backing tracks is like very bizarre to me. And, and I think it's, I think it's, I think it's misdirected anger. Yeah. I yeah. also think that the use of backing tracks um, can be complicated. And I think your, your average fan doesn't understand what that means. They hear backing tracks and they think Millie Vanilli. Oh, you're not singing. I'm listening to the CD and you're just miming. That's not there. You can, you can be on a click and have nothing else. You know, you could have, and if you're on a click like that, you can do your lighting cues, which saves you an LD. You can do audio cues, which saves you a front of house engineer. And these are all things you can do as a small band to save having another mouth to feed on tour, right? Or the keyboard player, like you were saying, and they're always on time and they always play it right. And you know, like, so there's, there's elements of that as well, but, but you're right. You can just take it too far, you know? Well, you make a a really good point with like, you know, let's call it a click track kind of mentality where like, um, I was on tour with faster pussycat a million times, but for a while there, Tammy was headed more in an industrial, kind of sound mm-hmm. they they did play to a click and what was on something that was pre-recorded was more like sound effects you know stuff right. that was that wasn't ever originally played by an instrument it's played by a synthesizer or you know whatever it was and you know now you know go further back than that and just look at nine inch nails and ministry and stuff mm-hmm. and without pre-recorded tracks like those bands they they, they were uh, what's the, incorporated with the live band exactly yeah as an enhanced sound like yeah. an actual sound of the band and guys like trent reznor and al jorgensen they're really talented and crafty with using that technology you know and it it, it made that music sound like a new form of rock music you know? yeah and but you know but but at the same time you know Smashing Pumpkins, very much a live band and, you know, very much a train wreck at times live too, you know, but, but they were almost had an industrial edge in some of their music. For sure. That grungy kind of, yeah. They never used anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a good point. It can kind of run the gamut. I I think the line's so blurry and, and the thing is you never really know what, uh, a band's doing unless you talk to someone directly uh, involved in that, you know, uh, group or whatever. Um, right. There's, there's so many examples of that. We have had a lot of different incarnations of our band and during certain songs, we had full click, full tracks, everything, you know, play to that. So we've done that side of things. And then when we do our, like everything you saw on the boat, we don't have anything. It's just, just the five right. of us. So 
There's uh, we've we've gone every which way, and I I prefer doing the no tracks thing just because for me it's uh it, it feels a lot more free yeah. and a lot less stressful. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. yeah, if something goes wrong, we've had the laptop crash, and we're like, oh shit, we just lost all of our like. Uh, it, we were playing a variety band, you know, you're doing Bruno Mars songs with all these horns and stuff. We just lost all that. Like, oh shit. Like we can't play that now. Like <laughs> we have to change right. the set list. So right. we, we've had all sorts of different things like that, but um, it well, is, but, it is an interesting blurry line. It is. But I mean, but look at like, you know, the, the kind of guitar processing that we use. Mm-hmm. That was my next, that was my next thought. I was going there as well. You know, It's like, I come from total analog tube amp world. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, Headrush, man, and I've used it for five years now. And live, I do run them through tube amps, you know, behind me. But everything that's going out in front of the house is mostly my direct signal, you know. Yeah. And and it is so convenient, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. I, you guys are so hip the way. And and I'll tell you, man, I was out front, and I'm a snotty guitar player, and your guys' shit sounded awesome. Yeah. And, and I, I told you this story on the boat, but I'll tell it again for the benefit of the listeners. Uh, this happened at your show. We opened for you guys here in Charlotte. Right, and right, right. You, yeah. had, you had all your marshals and stuff behind us, of course. You know, back line, we're in front of you. And yeah. um, we're just playing with our quad cortexes. But from the crowd perspective, you see us playing and you see a bunch of amps behind us. You see y'all's walls of amps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which uh, we're not even on at the time, I don't think. There's no lights or anything. No. Right. Somebody after the show walks up to, to me and Driz and he goes, man, it's so good to see a young band playing with real amps. Your tone sounds amazing. <laughs> and it was just ranting. And, and I looked at Driz and we kind of smirked and we, we didn't didn't correct him. We we're just you know, thank you so much. Appreciate you. You know, and um, all you need. All you need is a picture of an amp on. Stage, yeah. Just right? like a scrim of an amp. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's all you need. yeah. And, and it's funny. I think Neil Young a long time ago on some tour because he always plays out of a Fender Deluxe. But he had these huge amplifiers, like, you know, mm-hmm. I think they were scrims, but they were like yeah. three-dimensional scrims. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You know, like like a full stack that's like, you know, 30 feet high, you know, on either side of the stage and all that stuff. And I remember seeing, like, when YouTube first came out or something, and I saw a video of Neil Young, you know, Crazy Horse Reunion Live or something. And even though I knew they weren't real, I couldn't stop staring at them. I'm like, yeah. man, that looks so cool. Yeah, you know, it's not, there's just something about seeing them. The aesthetics that, are amazing. Yeah, for sure. I'm an I'm an amp guy. I love I love my amps. I got a wall of amps in my studio right yeah. across the right across the way. And uh, you know, that's what I love about the Quad Cortex, the units I use, because I'm actually like going out and playing a capture of my Marshall Plexi. And right. so when you were hearing it, like you're hearing a really faithful rep- uh, representation of yeah. what my actual Marshall sounds like. Cause like, you know, I've got the cab simulator capture X and I just yeah. find my favorite speaker cabinets, mic combos. And I just, you know, run that into my unit and capture my actual Marshall. Yeah. And, um, so what yeah. you, what you end up hearing live is not a, a digitally modeled thing, but an analog captured version right. of That's the real right. thing just digitally recreated inside yeah. the box. So and and I mean when we show up to a to a gig and we have to load in and we have a backpack and a guitar, I'm very happy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's the whole thing, you know. It's like the old joke was, you know, you should be a singer because you just need to bring a microphone. Yeah. Well, now all we need to do is bring a backpack and a guitar. Yeah. You know, and you know, I mean, hopefully the PA is solid. You know, but, yeah, yeah. But, we had a good engineer. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it's good, and it was cool because I was playing out of that weird little Fender amp when I jammed with you. Guys. Yeah, that was a weird amp, but it ended up sounding good. But it sounded good, and and it blended like they didn't sound like foreign. Objects. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, oh, okay, this this is totally working, you know, and and the signal that you guys had coming out of your monitors or your guitar sounds was faithful. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. hey man, we're just jamming on a bunch of amps, you know. And and people are like, hey, I'll tell you a really fast story. I was with uh Gilby Clark was producing an LA Guns record in the late nineties, and he had just got the line six pod the first one oh like mm-hmm. the bean yeah the bean oh that's amazing <laughs> and, those are legendary like, now <laughs> oh it's i i'll tell you i'll, I'll continue the story so we're, we're there and then i have he has this one jmp that i always used to record with all the time and, and it's through like a basket weave cabinet like really good setup 
And like if, if you needed more, you just put a tube screamer in front of it or a Marshall governor. I think that's what we used to use. And they sounded great. It was perfect. So one day he's like, he's like, Hey man, you know, plug into this and, you know, check it out. I played through it. I'm like, nah, I'm not playing through that thing. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. That's so stupid, you know, and all this stuff. He's like, all right, you know, no problem. So I record a track, a rhythm track. And he's like, he's like, oh, I put two mics on the cabinet. So, you know, let's see which one you like better. <laughs> and, and, and I listen back and I'm like, they're identical, you know? And he goes, I gotcha. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, the, and the Marshall sound that he got out of the, uh, the pod was the AC 15 setting. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounded really? just like the JMP. And so that day, like that day, cause like we were in at noon, I was, we had recorded that by two o'clock. I went to guitar center and, and I bought this HD one fifty head and cabinet line six. And I used it like for two years. Like it was the greatest thing ever. And then later on when I was playing with Nikki six, I got the big boy one, which was the Veta. It was a 300 watt. Mm-hmm. Oh Veta. yeah. Yeah. You know, and they, but and all their shit came with pedal boards. So all the effects were in there. You just program it. Now the end game is I I still have four pod 2.0s still the good red ones um with what they call the longboard I have two Yeah longboards the the FBV thing yeah 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 I have two of those I have four pods programmed and ready to go at any time still That's amazing They're fantastic and and every now and then I'll pull one out and you know you just plug it in the back uh, you know in any effects return on any amp Bam, done. You know, that's awesome. Brutal. And those are eight bit. Like they're shit. And they sound <laughs> fucking amazing. You know, so yeah. you know, once you get into like the stuff that you're using and the stuff I'm using, you can't get a bad guitar sound unless you, you just have the worst fucking ear in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although we scrolled through, uh, yeah, we we've, we've scrolled through some of the presets. There's some pretty wonky ones in the quad chord. Oh, yeah, they're, they're wild. <laughs> yeah. You get to some crazy like synth sounds with like programmed like gunk, 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 and you're yeah, like, what yeah, yeah. in the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> I know. I, I really want. I really want to get one of those things that you guys have. Um, Headrush is in trouble right now, and I don't know what's going on. Ooh, I made wow. a post about Instagram today, but. But yeah, I can't yeah. live without that. Oh, dude, yeah, we'll definitely connect you with the Quad Cortex. It's 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 like I've owned Kemper Axe Effects. Uh, I still use my Kemper a lot. It just stays in my studio. But the the quads yeah. what I keep in the backpack. It goes on the road. Yeah. And so, um, Driz here is so cool. is a master at at programming them and capturing things. He knows every button. Yeah. I, so I, I if know. you get if you get one of those, dude, I'll send you every everything I have in my library. And and the crazy Perfect. thing about these units is you can literally. Um, connect the actual unit to the internet so you never have to plug it up to i've never plugged mine up to the computer by the way it is an interface too with two xlr inputs you can use it as an interface um so anyways you connect it wirelessly to the internet and every sound i make i back up to the cloud which is now on my account i log on to my phone say you and i are friends on um the actual app for the phone, yeah. I can send everything in my library to you and you can download it in le- in 30 seconds of patch. We've, we've done it, Tracy, we've done it at gigs. We'll be sitting there yeah. at sound check and he'll be like, here, check this tone out, text it to me. And I beam it, then check it. Boom, boom, boom. Seconds. We're there. Like it's, yeah. it's insane. I love it. I love like, it. I, you know, you know that I've made the last two and the forthcoming LA guns record on an iPad. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. Recorded on, I, I mean, the drums come from LA because I'm usually in Denmark, but all the guitars, you know, everything that I do is recorded on an iPad. Wow. Yeah. There's, there's so many options now with, with digital stuff. You can just, like, it's great. I love it. Yeah. And that, that all, you know, comes from the, the EDM world, making, making those kind of things. And then obviously you can just bring analog stuff into the digital world and you're kind of there. And that's it. And it's flawless and seamless and, and, like the iPad Pro is oh, so yeah. powerful. Oh, yeah. You know, you, like could, a, yeah. you could you could be watching porn, you know, and, you know, what is it, four K porn <laughs> and doing, you know, thirty two bit, you know, recording direct through a head rush. Which you know, if you know us, that's all we do. So that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's all we yeah. do. You know, yeah. so 
So it's like it's a perfect combination of sex and rock and roll. Yeah, that's why I got the iPad Pro. That was in the Apple commercial. You don't even have to leave the house. You know, it's great. Ever. (laughs) DoorDash, Amazon, we're good. Last last thing I kind of wanted to to open up the, to the floor here, uh, this topic of conversation of this has come up in a lot of interviews that I've done. Um, the, the future of rock and roll and how we're not in the not too distant future. Sad fact of life. A lot of our rock and roll heroes are going to be leaving us. And, yeah. and where does that leave rock and roll when you can no longer, you know, go see uh, some of these artists that are still out there. I mean, what, what, where does that, well, where, where do we go from know, here? It's, it's this, you know, the simple fact of nature and, you know, progress, isn't it? You know, I mean, a lot of people ask me, you know, all the time, like, Hey, so when's rock and roll coming back around, you know, blah, blah, blah. it's not, not in the way that, that, that we want it to. It's, that'd be like saying, when's the rat pack coming back? You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah. It's, it's not going to happen because it's all, it already existed and, and, and nothing beats the original. You know what I mean? So um, music and art are always a reflection of the time anyway. So, um, you know, the fact that, that rock and roll has held on this long because it really has. You know, I mean, you know, there are still like, you know, retro rockabilly bands and, you know, Amy Winehouse, you know, what she was doing before she died. But yeah, you know, there's going to be no stones when the stones are gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, and and that's unfortunate. But their music will certainly live on, just like how Beethoven's, you know, Moonlight Sonata lives. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Music, music is certainly one way to achieve immortality. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think hopefully us on on this podcast here have have done that, put our stamp on the world in some whatever small way that that we we can at least. Oh, I've put my well, stamp on the world. You know, the, you know, and I know you guys. And and the thing is, is you do it for the two right reasons. You do it because you love it. First, the, the money and the girls. Yes, and the cocaine. <laughs> um, mostly the cocaine, though. The two reasons: the money, girls, and cocaine. No, just mostly but cocaine. You really do. You know, you guys. Uh, it shows when you play how much you love playing and how much effort you put into being great at playing and singing and, and those things. But the other thing is, is, you know, by playing in front of people and making them happy, that's where you're putting your stamp on life because it doesn't matter if you're filling up arenas or, you know, tiny little coffee houses, the people that see you guys enjoy it and they leave with a smile on their face. Yeah. That's that's all you can ask for, man. Because you know what, most bands don't really do that. Most bands are very much like, I hope they like us. You know, I hope they like me. You know, mm-hmm. me, 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 me. Ego, yeah, egocentric for sure. Yeah, you know, and that that's also a huge thing in rock and roll is that really like never happy, never satisfied musician kind of thing. And it's like, man, just make somebody smile, you fucking jackass. You yeah, know what I mean, that's that's a great point. Yeah, we've actually we have weekly meetings in our band, and that comes up. More often than not, or, you know, what can we do to, to give value to people instead of what I call, you know, take, 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 what can we give? And, and, yeah. and uh, how can we exactly what you said? How can we think, make sure people leave with a, with a smile? The biggest, the, the biggest thing is attitude. When you get on stage, doesn't matter what size stage it is, you know, and attitude when you, you get off stage. Yeah. When you get off stage too. Yeah. Um, is, is like super important these days, especially with social media and everyone's got a camera, oh, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, it's true. You know, you, you gotta, you know, especially now, you know, you gotta be there and you gotta be one of the audience essentially as a musician, you know, you gotta yeah. be in their mood and you gotta lift that mood, you know, and you're not against the audience. You know, there was a time where that was, you know, cool you know uh when we came out you know it was like you're supposed to be a little bit scary you're supposed to be a little bit like that but times have changed man you know it's it's if if people are coming to see rock and roll they're there for a good time and the proof for me really was the last show of the tour we did the summer was with it was a one-off with poison boy the audience enjoyed that you know they were out there they weren't posing they were just rocking, playing mm-hmm. those songs that these people have heard their whole life, smiling away. CC was ripping it up on the guitar, and what a happy gig! You know, yeah. what I mean? it was just like, like, wow, this is fucking awesome. You know, like 
35 years later, you know, they were like kids on stage. It was amazing. Yeah. That's how I want to be every time I get on stage. Cause we get to, it's not, Oh, we have to, it's like, Oh, we get to, you know? Yeah. It's a privilege. It's it's such a cool job to have, you know, the coolest, right? There's not, there's not a better job than, than playing electric guitar in front of people and then getting paid after it's like, what? Yeah, when you get paid, it's pretty sweet. (laughs) It's like almost like a joke. It's like you've got to be kidding me. And you know, and I'll I'll be honest with you. You know, over the years, boy, I've I felt guilt a lot of times. You know, just like like fuck, man. You know, I make a lot of money doing this shit, and it's just like, why? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But you know, I have I have. We don't need to go in on here, but I have my brain's a little bit different. So, like my logic. The one good part about my brain is it has like this logic mm-hmm. and the fact that any musician gets paid to go up there and do what they absolutely are going to do for free, no matter what, because we love it is like the most illogical thing. Yeah. When you look at, at yeah. guys that are working in warehouses, they don't want to be there and they're making minimum wage and, and they don't have good benefits and shit like that, man. You know, the, the world's a cruel place, man. Yeah. You know, well, so, you, so like you said, you know, be grateful, man. You know, you know, be there for it. Show up. Yeah, yeah. Show up every time, no matter what stage. Yeah. I think that's such an important, like, and you never know who's watching, you know, that's, everyone says that, you know, yeah, it's like, everyone's no. like, you never know who's what, but like literally you never know who's watching. So the Kiss Cruise is a great example of that. We did in the same room. You were in the Spinnaker lounge with us, Tracy, and, and we didn't know this until the day after, but uh, Doc McGee and Tom Zutat were both in there and they yeah. watched our set. So we were just like, of course they did. Okay. Like, <laughs> I was yeah. talking to, to Zutat and uh, uh, I in had no idea who lounge. he was in the artist lounge. I'm just like right. in the artist lounge and, and we'd been like making it a goal. You know, we're the new kids on the block and on the cruise. Yeah. We've got to go out and talk to people and invite them to the show, you know, be personable and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so that's what I was doing. We were in the artist lounge. And I see some dude there and I'm just like, Hey, what's up, man? Like, Jesus for the LA, maybe a guitar. Be, like, yeah. out you want to come check out? Yeah. yeah I want to come check out our show. And, <laughs> and he, uh, he sent us an Instagram DM after the fact too, which was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> after we all got back on land. These are, we, we actually talked about you guys later. Oh, okay. Know, because, because, because those new kids we are were, shit. No, 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 no. <laughs> We we were talking and and he saw me play uh, the thing with you guys. Yeah, he mentioned that when he when he messaged and, us. And he and he's like he's like everybody up there had a real guitar, man. It, you know, and I'm like I'm like yeah, you know, and they could sing. He's like yeah, the songs are good. I'm like yeah, you know, because we were talking about you know he's got a, a kind of strange, weird Gibson guitar collection, not like a bunch of bursts or anything. he's got some strange guitars. And um, you know, the thing with Tom especially Tom and Doc to a degree, those types are just huge music fans. That's why they sign great bands. And that's why Doc manages great bands because they're music fans. So yeah, they're going to show up. Yeah. They want to see if if something's good. Yeah. They want to absorb it because it's, it's really their life is to enjoy music, you know, and to, you know, and they have a good uh, radar, you know, like if they didn't like you, they wouldn't have been there long enough to see me get up on stage with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a great point. It's, it's amazing that, that after all those years for, for two legends like that, that they still will go see an unknown, but you know what I mean? Like that's, that's a level of, of, I mean, it totally, that right there explains why, why they are who they are. Dope dude. (laughs) That's why they are who they are. Yeah. I mean, then you realize, you know, that, they're the legitimate behind the scenes rock stars, right? You know, because they're oh, legitimate yeah. rock stars, they're lifers. But you know, these guys that manage and sign bands and work with bands, they're they're equally as important, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they're here 35, 40 years later still doing that, they're legitimate. You know, and that's yeah. what you want to surround yourself with as much as possible is these guys that are legitimate and that you respect, right? You know, I mean that's the biggest killer uh, in this business is losing respect for your A&R guy or your agent or, you know, somebody lies and you catch them in a lie or something like that. Mm. Guys that are around 30, 35, 40 years, they don't lie. You know, yeah. they don't, they're, they're and, not. And sometimes people. that's harsh. <laughs> 
And it is. But it's know, good, time, too. It's good to have the, the honesty no matter what. You got to have it. Yeah. You know, you know, I mean, the worst thing that could happen to, you know, a talented person is them to just be told everything's great. You yeah. know, yes, um, man. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, one time, you know, we were going to sign John Kalodner had a label for a minute. I don't remember what it was. Oh, called. no way. I've read some of his books. Yeah. And, and he's a character, man. He, he really is. And I had a good relate. We had a good relationship with him. But me, I have this thing. And one day he came to the studio and it was before we went in and I was in a really weird meltdowny kind of personality. And he had been dealing with both those personalities for a while. And he just looks at me and goes, which Tracy am I dealing with today? You know, he was so <laughs> honest, you know, and that's before I was diagnosed with anything. And I was just like, what's he talking about? You know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But he, but he was always real direct and he really liked the way that LA guns played Beatles covers of all things. And, and we would always, we used to always warm up playing like saw her standing there or something. And, uh, you know, through all these sessions and dealings and meetings, you know, like every day for like two weeks, he kept saying, we got to record that. We got to record that, you know, and we under, we, everybody understood the logic. We just didn't want to re-record a Beatles song. Yeah. But had we followed through, had we done the record with him, had we done the Beatles song, there's a, like a real good likelihood that that would have been the thing that pushed him over the top to really give the extra push. So, you know, you really got to trust these guys. Even though you're young and, you know, when we're young, we think we know fucking everything. Um, but these guys with the experience, you know, they know they've been there. They've done it. Yeah. And I, I think a killer, a killer cover can really boot, boost your career in a good way. Not because you want to get famous off of someone else. I think that's the thing with a lot of young people is like, well, we know, you know, we're not a cover band and yeah. their egos are too big to let them go. No, this is a killer song. Let's fucking cover it. You know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's, no, that's, smart. that's a good point. And, and nowadays I think, uh, I think it, I think it even works better than it did. Cause you can have people, people have an entire career spring up overnight cause a TikTok cover like, and, and then all of a sudden they put out an album and then they're selling t- tickets and it's like, Whoa, like you were just made a video in your room or, you know, on your phone. Like it's crazy. And, and it's because these people are, you know, talented at their core and, but it's the way we have direct access to people now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that was the thing from day one is how do you reach people? Right. Like, yep. yeah. day one, you know, from uh, Alan Freed, the guy that, coined the phrase rock and roll he had a radio show and he brought you know chuck berry and like all this stuff but it was because he could reach people on his radio show yeah now we have things like tiktok and and like that it's like do the cover song you know you know you're trying to reach people do something that's familiar get them hooked pull them in you know yeah um so people are clever and creative they're working the new system flawlessly it's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, and reaping benefits and rewards with it as well. Yeah. Well, you, so you mentioned to me earlier, you have some new music coming out next year. Yeah. Let's talk yeah, about it, that. What do you have? What do you have cooking? Okay. In April, the new LA guns record comes out. That's done. And it's called. Hell Black yeah. Oh, black and diamond. Plural. Black. Because diamonds. Can't, you can't do the can't kiss do thing. Like, yeah. You can't yeah. do the kiss thing. Yeah. So it's black diamonds. And it's just, it's killer. It's great. It's going to do fine. Um, and then I finished, I wrote it the same exact time I was writing that album, an album with Todd Kearns, the, the, the Slash's bass yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, we love Todd. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know Todd. Um, and that project's called Blackbird Angels, and that comes out in September. And both those records are done. They're in the can. And so holidays coming up. going to go to Denmark, spend some time with my little kid. And then uh, we're looking at hitting the road you know, end of March, early April and getting through summer and then got those two releases coming out and it's, the party continues. It's pretty straightforward. Hell yeah, yeah, man. I can't wait to hear black diamonds or a Tracy guns. Todd Kearns project sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> well, you're gonna, cause I'm going to text that shit to you. Yeah, you better. Uh, my question is Todd playing. I assume he's singing. Is he also playing bass? No, I played all the bass on that. So record. you just did all the stuff. He's just singing. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. He wrote all the lyrics and all the melodies. I wrote all the music. I and just checked out his uh, Heroes and Monsters. He released a couple um, uh, singles for that. That looks exciting yeah. too. 
Is yeah. uh, did Brent do the drums or did somebody else do the drums? No, I, Adam Hamilton does uh, all the drums on all the LA Gun stuff and all okay, the others cool. that I do with the label. And yeah, yeah, don't even have nothing preconceived. You're not going to believe what you're fucking. Whoa! No, I was yeah, I dude. was on on the Kiss cruise. We were watching, I think. Bruce Kulik set and I'm standing yeah. with my drummer and my drummer knows Todd as Slash's bass player and I, I, I tell him I'm like you're not going to believe how fucking good Todd can sing and he's like he's looking at me like okay and then Todd hits it ah, fucking note and I just look at him and he looks at me like holy shit like, <laughs> yeah. you talk about legit and, and, and so nice dude he, he's the nicest guy it's that Canadian yeah. blood man <laughs> <laughs> he's got life down and um you know in slash's band you know miles sings all the original stuff mm-hmm. and todd right. sings all the guns and roses stuff yep and all the high harmonies yeah. on a lot of the original miles stuff too it's just crazy <laughs> he's a crazy talent and i'm really fortunate to have made this record with him and especially the way it turned out because for me um i haven't met a disaster yet with a singer but that's always the the magic ingredient you know i write all the music record it arrange it it's done and it's up to the singer to, to ruin it or make it or killer make it great, yeah. yeah you know so when a guy like todd you know really had never done an original album like this before i i i didn't have one suggestion we talked about a couple things here and there but he did it all on his own in his own space you know working with yeah. the material and and it's 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 fucking mind blowing, man. And I these... I cannot wait to hear that. That sounds incredible. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get you that right now. So and that's that, man. That's yeah. That's an exciting fucking well, twenty twenty three. Dallas and I will definitely have a listening party after this. Yeah. We're just gonna go back yeah. to the studio. Yeah. So speaking of speaking of working with, you mentioned you haven't had you know a bad experience with a singer yet. What, what was it like working with Axel that early on? I mean, obviously before anyone really knew who he was. Yeah. What yeah. what is it? What is what was kind of the the process then? Well, the process then was uh, a lot more organic, meaning that you know we had a band, and when we were writing, um, we rehearse, and he would sit on the couch or a chair, listen, write a couple lyrics down. You know, we would record whatever we were writing on a on a cassette recorder, and we go back home, and then he'd work on the shit himself. And then when we added Izzy to the mix, um, they were already old friends. You know, they grew up yeah, from Indiana. Yeah. And, you know, Izzy's got a real knack for hooks and like kind of, I don't want to say pop rock, but, but like Rolling Stones, you know, Aerosmith, like these kind of mm-hmm. clever lyrics. And then Axel, you know, he had his life experience that he would, you know, put in lyrically and it was a smooth process. No frustration, very patient, very, uh nothing took too long nothing was rushed and you know we came up with a lot of good you know we always wrote good stuff and when i split um they obviously kept the hollywood road stuff and i kept my own stuff for la guns Mm -hmm. so you can really hear like on appetite for destruction on la guns first record all that stuff at one point not all of it but like i would say 60 percent of the mix of that music was all played in you know an LA gun set or a Guns N' Roses set at some point before I left. That's you know, wild. The, the music, so that's that's a pretty wild thought. Um, but no, you know Axel is a very prolific writer. Izzy's a very prolific writer um, with a lot of imagination and a lot of diversity in styles. Mm-hmm. Um, where Slash in the mix is like the perfect, you know, mysterious lead guitarist. You know, he's got his sound, he's got his vibe. He's got his thing, but Slash does what Slash does. You know what I mean? It's like pretty cut and dry. Like, hey, that's right. Slash's voice on the guitar. Um, but but you have Slash and you have a guy like Izzy, a guy like Axel, where they're throwing the idea and Duff. I mean, Jesus Christ, that guy's so talented. It's it's, it's not even funny. Um, you know that's why the Appetite record is just so iconic and so legit because you have the meeting of the minds. You know, you really yeah. do have the minds and. And it's a, the perfect chocolate cake. It tastes oh, good every yeah. time. Yeah, for sure. It tastes good every time. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Duff yeah. is Duff is the only one of the, the core members that I have any 
personal experience with having shared the stage with him once, but you're you're so right. I mean, he's just he's just the whole everything you want him to be. You Weren't know? you like hanging out teaching him like Bruno Mars and yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah. Like, we were we were backstage and I was just jamming it on acoustic guitar and he sits down next to me. He goes, "Dude, show me what you're doing. What what are these chords you're playing?" And I was playing a Bruno <laughs> <Yeah>. Mars song, and <laughs> so I'm sitting there teaching him like like Bruno Mars licks. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's very tough, you know. And that's why you know he's so so great. You know, the the best musicians I feel are the open minded ones. You know, the ones that are never stop learning, always get excited by like you sitting there playing a Bruno Mars chord, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's a real musician, you know? And, yeah. and it was apparent the day he walked in because he replaced this guy, Oli bike. Um, and, and Izzy knew him. He lived across the street from Izzy and he came in and he had a little galleon Kruger combo amp. And he was already in a cover band that was doing real well in LA. And he had a little chorus pedal, you know, I'm like, Whoa, you know, bass player with a chorus pedal. What's this all about? And he started playing like some Getty Lee lick. And I was like, oh shit, you know, because he had a Johnny Thunder shirt on. So I didn't yeah. expect, like, yeah. you know, I thought he was just a punk rock guy. But no, man, the guy, you know, soup to nuts is a musician, man. And well, one really- of his favorite artists is Prince. I mean, when, when, <laughs> when Prince is anyone's favorite musician, it's usually. A, a real musician like they usually yeah, have like because right. prince's catalog just covers you know the gamut everything. Of, of everything so yeah, it's and, and it's uh, a huge prince fan yeah. as well yeah definitely yeah. i remember yeah those guys were into that stuff they're into everything and you know me at the time i was into fucking randy Rhodes, man hell you know, yeah so, dude like it's like yeah we could be your aerosmith ass band but i'm still gonna play like i want to play i'm still gonna you fucking know, have, shred have, some bark at the moon well that's jakey lee but you know <laughs> yeah but yeah same, some early ozzy blizzard of oz a little bit more attitude in the guitar you know but oh um, yeah yeah but you know that whole the whole uh organic growth of that particular band was amazing to watch to be part of to mm-hmm. you know and you know the the funny thing is that the world doesn't really know that the my last name comes from this chick I went out with when I was 17. She called me Mr. Guns because of my dick. Like, hey, <laughs> so, you know, you got these two bands yes. you know, doing all this shit, you know. My dick is in the name of the band. Well, now my like now right? that's like the best story I've heard probably this month. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering, I'm wondering why guns is plural. That's my that's my because, one because gun because gun and roses doesn't sound good in gun and Sonic. rose. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, L.A. gun, nah. Yeah, L.A. just one. Yeah, what trick me? But that's really where it stems from, and it's hilarious, dude. That is amazing. That is absolutely yeah. amazing. That's rock definitely the uh, yeah. That's, that's yeah. rock and roll. That's, that's my kind of story. You know, that's the name of the episode right now. Well, there we go. We're getting a little running out of time. Things. So, Tracy, I don't want to keep any any longer. Hey, Thank you so much. I got. For I, being, I do uh, have just one quick question oh, before you before you leave. Um, <clears throat> so, we're you know talking kind of rock and roll history. What is your favorite? And I'll tell you mine after. What is your favorite? Like under the radar, hardly anybody knew, and it's a shame. Rock and roll band from the eighties. That just kind of. I already, I already know Jersey's answer. Yeah, from the eighties. That's that's a tough. They could have started in the seventies, whatnot, but kind of like, or just open it up to any decade. Yeah, I mean, sure. there, there, there's like you know, shocking blue from the Netherlands that they did Venus and they got popular for that, but they wrote all this rock music and then uh, Dwight Twilly. Uh, there's so much stuff that that could have done it, but an eighties band from L.A that I always liked better than the other bands was called the Sea Hags. And oh yeah. I've heard of them. Yeah. They're like a power trio kind of thing. Uh, very rock, very cool. Um, Ron, uh, what was it? Yoakum. Um, man, so long ago, but anyways, yeah. Sea Hags, that would be the one that Sea Hags. I'm going to have to check them out. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll say Driz is for him. All right. It's a giant. Oh yeah, you like giant? Huh? Oh, but, but but they came on the scene too late, dude. Dan Huff's writing and playing and singing, like just. And then just he goes on freaking. to produce the Rascal Flats, which all the Rascal Flats, Rascal Flats, awesome. like, Keith yeah. Urban, and like, and it's like, and then you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But what a monster player and singer! The singing is what blew me away. I mean, I knew he was a great player, yeah. so yeah. I I, sh- yeah. I showed him Giant. I was like, dude, but you never heard of I this band. See that, you know, because <laughs> you know when you look at that, that's kind of like a like a kindling thing giant that's like it started other shit yeah yeah you know what i mean like it made other things happen and yeah 
There was a lot of that, you know. Um, I think it started too late, though. They, yeah. they kind of came slew. on the scene too late. There was a late. slew of bands that came on too late. I would say Skid Row barely caught the tail, and then Steelheart. Oh, boy. Yeah. Steelheart, yeah. I, Steelheart, I think, came maybe a little bit too late as well, but I love Steelheart. Yeah, way too late. You know, but Skid Row was, was the last one. Yeah, yeah, they just barely it's caught it. Too. And then another band that started around then that I've one of my probably my second favorite bands, the Black Crows, but they were obviously a slightly different genre. Amazing. That first record is so fucking good, man. Wow. I, yeah, I bought that first record on CD and played it until the CD didn't work anymore. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're legit. That Top to legit. bottom. And the acoustic version on that track, the bonus track of She Talks to Angels, is still one of my favorite recordings yeah. ever. Yeah. The piano yeah, on that real. is just... So funny little story. I wasn't really allowed to listen to rock and roll, roll growing up. I grew up in like crazy like religious household. You know uh, Herbert Armstrong's like Ambassador Campus in Pasadena? it was like a cult crazy thing oh that's like my family's background so (laughs) i'm like trying to listen to rock and roll i'm asking my grandma for all these like cds and stuff she's like well um i did buy this tape for my uncle ben she's british like for my uncle ben ages ago and she's like i'll try to find it it's rock it's rock but it's you know christian rock and i was just like okay or whatever so she ends up finding this cassette for me and it was a petra cassette do you oh remember God. Petra? Of course. <laughs> the, what did, What did you think? Did it have a huge impact on your life? The, I mean, the riffs on the guitar playing were, yeah. were badass. You know, yeah, it's legit. <laughs> so, know, yeah. well, we had uh, we had Striper on the boat. Yeah, we well. had Striper on the boat. That I was, I was like, no way, dude. This is hilarious because, like, you know, and and they they slay. They do a great job, but yeah, but yeah. they don't need the whole Jesus angle, man. Yeah, that's that's the thing for me. Yeah. It's kind of like it's always this little asterisk next yeah. to any band. It's like they're yeah. a great band, but you know, and like, Michael's ah. one of my best friends. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. really good friends with those guys. I made a record with Michael called Sunbomb. It's like it's like it's like thrash metal. It just mm-hmm. came out like two years ago. It's insane. We need to make a list of the people you have not worked with because that seems like a short list. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'll <laughs> narrow things down. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm running out of people, man. Yeah, yeah. but but. Um, yeah, but the, you know the thing is, when we did our, our interviews, you know, we did the interviews where, you know, he's Jesus and I'm Satan, you know, mm-hmm. and we had such a good time with it. Oh, you know, that's I mean, amazing. Like, yeah, but you know, I always feel it, it's it's it probably does more of a disservice to a band to associate with something outside of music. It makes sense because you appeal to an audience. Yeah, yeah. But it limits the audience, and I think that Striper is a lot bigger musically than their audience represents. I really think they could have been massive. They're mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. good. Such a that's, good yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Uh, where can our audience and our listeners find you and, and keep up with you and everything that, that's going on in your world? Uh, I have a link tree, which is... Uh, I saw you. I saw you built that the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I just made it. Uh, but yeah, anything at Tracy Guns, T-R-A-C-I-I-G-U-N penis F. Okay. <laughs> tracypenis.com got it yeah tracypenis.com <laughs> no don't go to that website that's a very different website tracypenises.com yeah <laughs> tracyspenis.com yeah Just... the, the funny thing is my real middle name is dick it's, <laughs> yeah, so it's like tracy dick dick <laughs> this is the best thing i've ever heard i yes. have one final question do you know who bert kreischer is no i have the, no idea the, the stand-up comedian no He's a pretty famous comedian. I think you look just like him. So I'm well, going to t- guy that Bert guy. <laughs> I'm going to text you a picture of him when we get done and you tell me what you think. Okay. Awesome. And I just mean, I just mean in the face, like you just remind me of him. Yeah. So he's a goofy looking motherfucker. I get it. Uh, he's a Tracy, Tracy Dick looking motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. That's a Tracy Dick, man. Tracy Dick. I think it's... I'm going to change my name again. Yeah. That's amazing. All right, man. Well, I'm going to stop the recording, but if you could just stick around for one second, that'd be perfect. All right. You got it. All right, brother.